And a good afternoon it is, and welcome. It's six minutes after four o'clock. Good to have you along on the Employment Law Show. Reaching out, phone lines are open. Oh, yeah, of course, they always are. On a Sunday afternoon, 604-280-9898 is the way you do that. Liam Moody is your champ today, answering all of your questions, taking all the heat, and uh, ready to respond to your phone calls and emails. You have questions about COVID-19, going back to work soon. Do you have to get vaccinated? Are you told you had to be vaccinated? Is there any issues in that regard? Bring them on. We'd love to talk about uh, those or any other employment law matters that may come across your uh, your thinking over the next hour. It could be a severance question, something as simple as that, or returning to work, whatever. Uh, bring it on, 604-280-9898. Ready to go, but we always start with the week that was, pal. What do you got going on today? Well, I mean, right now I'm just trying to make sentences form for my brain with this kind of heat that's going on right now. I am in Love the it. one room of my home that has air conditioning and I'm so, so thankful for this unit. It is just, it's crazy. It is crazy in BC today. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously that is the main thing that's going on, but from an employment law perspective, I was actually trying to think of whether or not I could relate the heat to employment law and I couldn't quite think of anything, uh, except for, you know, I did, um, happen upon, uh, a garden center nearby that decided that it was going to reduce its hours all weekend from eight until one in order to protect the safety of its customers and its employees. And I thought that's a really, really smart move. And even though they're technically cutting back on hours, that's probably going to be permitted in that situation because we are dealing with an extreme heat event uh, mm-hmm. that that particular um, employer would have been primarily outside expecting its employees to be primarily outside. And so it, it's likely a, a wise decision on their end to have to have reduced their hours that way. But of course, aside from that, the main issue as it's been, and I mean, I think that this last week alone, I got three media requests um, on on vaccinations. It's just, it continues to be the hot topic. And I think that it's going to probably stay that way as the law continues to develop and as more and more questions continue to arise. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the the primary questions that everybody has is, you know, can my employer force me to get a vaccine. That's almost where every interview or every phone call starts is, can my employer force me to get a vaccine? And a lot of employers, when they call with questions, that's, it's the same thing in reverse. Can I force my employees to get a vaccine? What am I allowed to ask? What am I allowed to keep on paper? And, you know, really the answer is, I don't know. We can sort of just take our, our, an educated guess right now, but how this is all going to shake out in the future is going to be really interesting. I think that you've got a lot of people agreeing that your employer can require individuals to get vaccinated. Um, But we also have a labor arbitration decision from a couple of years ago, I believe in Ontario, where uh, you had uh, nurses who won their case uh, saying that they should not be required to get the flu shot. So, you know, are we going to see a change in the law, um, given that most people seem to agree that depending on your industry, depending on the workplace, your employer is going to be able to, to, to require you to get a vaccine? And, and I think that, you know, that's going to remain to be seen. But as it stands right now, it's really important to make that distinction between forcing, like actually, you know, sitting at the door with a, with a needle and putting it into your, into your arm and, and having it just be a policy 
such that your job could be on the line. And, you know, this is something that I think is going to be context dependent. It is ultimately going to be um, dependent on the kind of workplace that you have. So, you know, for myself in a law firm and an office job, uh, we've all been working from home. I, I would, I'm hard pressed to believe that a office employer, an office-based employer uh, that can do work remotely is going to have what would be considered uh, a legitimate reason to require its employees to be vaccinated. Um, you might still have companies, including companies that are based in an office, want to take uh, want to take information about vaccinations as like a marketing ploy. You know, you see lots of companies lately um, touting on their advertisements or on their signs outside that, you know, all staff are vaccinated, um, wow. you know, which remains a really interesting question from, you know, a, a, a privacy standpoint and, mm -hmm. and all that good stuff. But, you know, I think that uh, in those employers that are in you know, client facing industries, um, where, you know, you're like, say you're registered massage therapist, um, you know, people who, uh, work in long-term care facilities, particularly anybody where you can imagine that there's going to be customers who might want to know if the individual who is going to be in this closed door room with them is vaccinated. And when you've got a situation like that, I don't know that the law is going to require an employer to take a hit on their business in order to, um, you know, say that they w they don't have to require everybody to get to get a shot. Of course, you know, and again, this just we can have this. Call, I'm just going to talk in circles until somebody stops me or we have to break for commercial because it just every every issue just compounds on the next. And you know, I, I say all of this with a huge caveat that if anybody out there is working for somebody that is requiring them to be vaccinated or requiring them to disclose. If they are choosing not to be vaccinated or if they can't be vaccinated, I should say, because of a medical reason or a religious reason, so any sort of reason that's covered by our human rights legislation, then that's legitimate. And your employer cannot fire you for that. Your your job cannot be on the line and your employer will have to accommodate you. Whether that means, you know, that you've got to be the one behind plexiglass or whether that means that you've they've got to figure out a way for you to work remotely or maybe just give you a different job in the back. You know, that's all going to remain to be seen how far they need to go in that regard. But those are really the only two recognized grounds on which somebody's going to be able to refuse to be vaccinated. There are some, um, you know, theories out there that if it's a personal choice not to be vaccinated, you could make that out as a political decision, which is protected under BC human rights legislation. Um, you know, I know that uh, that Lior actually, who who co-hosts this show with you often, John, um, he has been toying with the idea that if your employer says you can't come to work if you're not vaccinated, they're treating you as though you're sick, and if they're treating you as though you're sick, then they're treating you as though you have a disability. You know, not mm -hmm. to disagree with my boss publicly <laughs> and on the record, but uh, he knows that I, I don't subscribe to that view. But it just goes to show that this is a very um, it's it's developing. It's developing as we're figuring it out. And everybody's just sort of, you know, trying to make the best argument that they can and get by. Um, but the, the vaccination as it stands right now is your employer cannot force you to get it. 
but they might be able to uh, require you to get it, to strongly encourage you to get it as a condition of your employment. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting. Like you said, it's because you know if you know drug testing for airline pilots. Okay, that makes sense. You're in charge of thousands of people's lives, you know, every week. But I think it depends. It's going to come down to the nuance of what type of workplace it is and how far they can go with it. Because yeah, people are going to do exactly. And I was thinking what those nurses were saying. With you know what? No, 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 no. Well, what's next? You're going to make me get a flu shot or a you know a chickenpox uh, vaccine if I don't want to? It's just you know it's a, that slippery slope as they like to use in radio speak, right? Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't um, I'm not a huge fan of the slippery slope argument. I mean, I think that we draw lines all the time. Right. Um, you know, we're always sort of drawing the boundaries around us, um, you know, in a way that makes sense. And so I think that it's you know perfectly plausible that we can require people to get a covid vaccine and not a flu shot. Um, but I think it's difficult. I think that's going to be difficult to draw that boundary and to clearly delineate why one is falling on one side of the line versus the other. Um, so, I mean, it's a, it's just a, it's a, it's a really, it's really interesting to see how this is all going to shake out. And it's certainly interesting to be an employment lawyer in the con- context of all of this, because I get to think of arguments um, and yeah. I- I'm looking forward to testing some of these in court. All righty. Welcome back. 417. Plenty of time to get into the show. The 10 commandments of termination are on the way, but our phone calls are always top priority. And again, uh, Remaining time is for you, 604-280-9898. Want to get to Luke on the line. Luke, thanks for uh, taking some time in your Sunday afternoon to call us. What's uh, what's going on? Hey. Hello. Um, Hi. Yeah, I just uh, wanted to know, um, in the future coming years, in the next several years, uh, as these variants of uh, COVID continue to play out, will there be um, more severe requirements uh, from employers towards employees to possibly get a vaccine um, and if, if possibly not like even though one person may be allergic to it or several um, specifically speaking allergy wise um, would that be grounds for uh, termination yeah great question so just to tackle the the latter one first with respect to a potential allergy to the vaccine um that would be considered a medical reason for declining the vaccine obviously um if you are going to have an allergic any kind of severe reaction to um to the shot then you are not you wouldn't be required to get it and your employer would not be legally able to terminate you uh because of that refusal I think that you raise a really good point with respect to um, the fact that we just don't have all of the information yeah, uh, with the pandemic right now. Um, you know, and we're specifically right now thinking about um, you know these variants, right? And if the variants get worse, um, or you know they're affecting a vaccinated population, I mean that could go both ways. If it's affecting vaccinated people, then perhaps the argument's going to be, well, clearly the vaccine isn't as effective as we thought, and so why would an employer require you to get one, right? On the flip uh-huh. side of that is that if it is proving effective, but you know the vaccine, the variants are are taking over, then and we continue to be in this state of public health emergency, then yes, I, I mean I do think that an employer is going to have much more leeway to um, to require their employers to get it. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for your time. That helped uh, clear up uh, a question that I had there. Thank you. 
Cool. Thanks, Luke. Thank appreciate you. you uh, appreciate you asking. I'm sure you're not the first person to think uh, and go down that uh, that road for sure. Uh, your questions, just like that one, 604-280-9898. In between the calls, let's get to the Ten Commandments of Termination uh, right now. Pal, number one is thou shalt think about termination when accepting a new job. Not being let go when accepting a new job. How about that? Yeah, I, I do appreciate that these Ten Commandments do start with thou shall. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> pleased to see that we're really sticking with the commandment theme here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that that's right. I think that that is a really important thing to consider for much the same reason why you're encouraged to think about a divorce at the time that you get married, right? I mean, nobody likes to think about it. It's not particularly, um, you know, happy, but it's really important to consider what does this look like and how do we want to deal with this if and when this relationship ends? And I can tell you from having dealt with it numerous times and from the clients who have told me this verbatim, the end of an employment relationship is not dissimilar from a divorce. I mean, you've got Mm -hmm. real feelings of animosity. Things get very emotional um, and it's all completely understandable. And that's emotion, by the way, on both the part of the employer and the employee, right? I mean, you've got people who are acting out of the heat of the moment all of the time. And so if you have a document, you know, in the case of a, of a marriage, it's a prenup. And in the case of, a, um, of an employment relationship, it's an employment contract. If you have a document that basically sets out a roadmap for how the end of the relationship is going to look, then you can, you know, you can feel all of that emotion, you can let all of that out, but you've got sort of this very clear, reasonable, preconceived idea for how this is going to go. And so I do think that it's important for employers and employees alike to consider what does termination look like if and when it happens. It's particularly important for employers. You know, when you're entering into an employment relationship with a new employee, You've maybe done a couple of interviews at best with with this individual. You know, anybody can sort of fake it for the three consecutive interview hours that is required. You know, you want to think about what if this person doesn't work out? What if they don't work out within the first three months? What if they don't work out afterwards? What if they steal from me? Right. These are all things that need to be thought about and put into writing in the form of a contract. If you're an employee, I think that, um, you know, if there's no contract, there's not really a need to think about it because the law will step in to protect you. But if an employer does put an offer letter or a contract or any sort of agreement in front of you um, at the outset of your employment relationship, you do want to look at that. You do want to look at that very carefully to see if the employer has turned their mind to termination, to see if they have limited what you're entitled to in the event that you are let go. And if they have, I mean, that is not non-negotiable. Some companies will tell you that it is, Um, but there's no harm in trying at that point in time. Most employers will have put a ton of resources into you. They've made you this offer. You know, they're they're already thinking ahead to filling that position by the time that you, your start date is supposed to happen. So, you know, feel free, please to at least canvas the company's, um, openness to negotiating what you would be entitled to in the event of a termination. Ten Commandments of Employment Law. That's what we're talking about in between the phone calls, of course, 604-280-9898. Call in, ask your questions. Thou shall not give up your future termination rights right after you start working. It's a good plan. <laughs> yes, yes, it is, right? And I mean, and that's the tricky thing about these commandments is they sound great, but how do you do that? How do you yeah. not give up 
you know, your future termination rights after you start working. Um, you know, and I think the really critical thing here is that if you have started working and a, an agreement is put in front of you, um, that is not something that you necessarily have to sign. Uh, you know, a really important consideration with respect to contracts is that you have to get something in return for signing that contract. So if you enter into uh, an employment relationship, if somebody makes you an offer of employment, you accept that, uh, they say, we want to limit your termination entitlements in the event that we let you go, and you say, okay, sounds good, and you start the job, then you are getting a job in exchange for that limitation. Makes sense. If you already have the job, and an employer is introducing the contract at that time, then they can't say that the continuation of your job is the benefit because you already had it. They have to give you money. They have to give you uh, benefits. They have to give you something that you would not have otherwise been entitled to in order to make that contract stick. But I have seen time and time again, somebody sign a contract in exchange for $100 in exchange for a Starbucks gift card for 20 bucks. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, you look at that and you think, come on, that can't be legal, but it is. There's this ridiculous <laughs> legal analogy. Um, you know, one of the first things you learn in contract law 101 is that that benefit that you get can be a peppercorn. It can be, it can be a shiny toonie. It can be, <laughs> as long as it is a benefit, as long as it's something that you did not have before you signed it, that counts. And I think that, you know, it sounds great when you're getting that extra hundred bucks, but these individuals are getting paid a hundred dollars for ultimately giving up tens of thousands. Um, so it's really important to turn your mind to that uh, yeah. if you get a new contract put in front of you. Let's get to one more before we uh, take a break here. The Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. Here you go. Thou shall respond to any negative reviews or discipline. And I'll put a Part B in that in writing as well, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's exactly. And you know what? I don't even think that should be Part B. I think that that should just be the, the rest of Part A yeah, because it's that right. critical, right? I mean... I, I really don't think that it's sufficient to, I mean, it, it's a step and it's better certainly than saying nothing. But, you know, whenever I have somebody come to me and they say, I've been terminated for cause, which of course means that you are not given severance. The employer is saying that you, the employee acted in such a way so as to render the employment relationship uh, over terminated. Um, you know, if they say that it's for performance reasons, uh, but they disagree with all of these things that the company says they did in the past, one of the first questions I'll ask is, you know, did you object to this? Did you talk about that? You know, did you put it in writing? Um, when a company is putting together a number of negative performance reviews against you, you always have to be alive to the possibility that they are building a case against you. And the only possible way to build that case is to build your own. You are the only one in that situation who is going to be able to uh, put your evidence in writing as it's happening and that will put you yards and yards and yards ahead uh, if and when they eventually do terminate you for cause in the end. Welcome back. It's uh, 4.33. We are doing the Employment Law Show. Liam Moody answering all of your questions. So bring them on. I know you're sitting by the pool with a uh, with brown pot, but that's okay. Take some time. And uh, give us a call. You got questions about your job, vaccines, COVID-19, going back to work. Do you have to go back to work? Is the company calling you back to work? 
604-280-9898 is the way you do that. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. If we've got some time, we'll slide in some emails at the end. But we are talking about the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. Uh, next one is this. Thou shalt not commit serious workplace misconduct. That's always a good thing not to do. Yes, and that probably is a, is an obvious one, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not much more to say about that except don't do bad things. Uh, for example, don't have a brown pop while you're working, <laughs> right? I've never heard that before, John, and I like it. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really just a matter of both making sure that you have an understanding of what is important to your employer, making sure you don't do that, and also making sure that the standards and lines of communication are clear. So if your boss is telling you that they don't like something that you're doing or the way that you're dealing with something, and that surprises you because you didn't think you were doing anything wrong, you you need to and you are entitled to get to the bottom of it. So, you know, don't act poorly, don't do bad things in the workplace, you know, don't be chronically late, don't steal from your employer. These are all obvious things, but also make sure that what you are doing is ensuring that you know the standards that are being placed upon you and that you know how you're being measured against them because that's really the only way that you are going to make sure that you are not committing any sort of workplace misconduct that is going to get you fired. The number 604-280-9898. Got a uh, call coming up right now. Hey, welcome to the show. Lee is ready to go. How are you? Hi, uh, is this Pharrell? How are you? Oh, pretty good. Uh, I'm just wondering that you have a severance remedy package that you're, uh, let's say, negotiating after you're badly terminated. Uh, can you get a non-disclosure agreement in there? Like if the employer was to write a, get a non-disclosure agreement with me, it may let them sleep better at night. Uh, do, do, they, uh, do you get a lawyer for that to get a non-disclosure agreement and say, hey, pay me and I'll sign a non-disclosure agreement to make it simple? Well, I mean, I think that it's never a bad idea to have a lawyer take a look at your severance package anyway, just to make sure that you're getting every penny on the table. And that's especially true if it's a bad termination, as you've described it, and bad enough that your lawyer is going to want a non-disclosure agreement. But no, I mean, I think that at its very base level, the non-disclosure agreement is going to be something that benefits the employer. So the employer is going to want to make sure that they have a lawyer look at it and that it covers all of their interests. And as long as you as an employee understand what the provision says, and you know, I'm saying that because lawyers tend to be far wordier than they need to be. You know, one sentence that is like a paragraph long takes up half the page. If you, if there's any word in there or anything that's phrased in a certain way that you're not sure what it means, you don't quite understand, it's really important that you ask so that you understand what it is that you're signing. If you do understand it, then, I mean, I don't really see why you need to have a lawyer. And I think that a non-disclosure agreement um, is a great point of leverage if you know that the employer will pay you for your silence. But I'm now waiting. I can't wait. The employer is not moving on their end to give me a uh, remedy package. So I can just write to them and say, hey, uh, we need to discuss a remedy package here and I'll include a non-disclosure agreement in it. Yeah, that's exactly what you can do. Um, I mean, I I would, you know, strongly recommend that you give us a call and we can help you, um, you know, 
frame that in such a way that will give you the greatest chance of success in getting that money in. But yeah, I, I do think that there's a lot of power, especially if you think that the employer knows that they've behaved badly in saying, you know, why don't we talk about a package? Why don't we talk about you packaging me out? And in exchange for that, I'll release the company and I will so sign a non-disclosure agreement. It's just really critical that you understand what it is that you're signing. And if you don't, in any way, it's, it's very important that you get aware. Well, I'm just at a point now where I think that I just got to shake the tree and see what drops out of it. And then maybe see the lawyer. Like if, if I shake the tree and nothing drops out of it, then uh, yeah, go see a lawyer. But if something drops out of the tree, they just understand that I got my hands around the trunk of the tree right now. <laughs> for sure, for sure, yeah. And I think, you know, that's a question I get a lot, which is, you know, can I negotiate my own severance? And, um, you know, there's, I think that there's certain things that you need to be um, wary about, right? Like if you are going to make any offer, you want to make sure that it's, quote unquote, without prejudice, right? So you want to put that at the top of any email that you send because you don't want that to be held against you later. You want to make it clear that you're making an offer to settle. But yeah, I mean, not to talk myself out of a job, but the ideal situation is if the two parties can reach an agreement on their own. And if nothing falls from the tree or you want to know if what fell from the tree is all that you can get from the tree, then, you know, a lawyer can give you that information. Hey, that's great. I just want to say thanks a lot. I enjoy your show, and this is my third time calling, and each time has been enjoyable. Thank you very much. Oh, uh, really great. Appreciate you. your time. You're uh, you're awesome for sure. I didn't catch his name. I, didn't, I think he said Ralph. I think it was what his name. It's was. Al. You Al. can call me okay. Al. You can call me Al. Done. Paul Simon next. Uh, thanks, pal. Appreciate it, Al. Have a good uh, have a good afternoon. The uh, number, just like Al, 604-280-9898. That is the, uh, the way we roll. That is the way you call in and get some answers. See a couple minutes, and he's uh, so much wiser just for talking to you, Leah. But he's uh, probably enjoying the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment, so we'll get back to those. Um, thou shall always keep copies of all relevant documents. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is such a this is such a lawyer one, you know? <laughs> But I, I think that especially now, there's no excuse to not, right? I mean, we've got, I mean, I'm the last person to actually give tech advice, but, you know, we've got Dropbox and we've got the cloud and, you know, all of these other buzzy things that allow us to save and organize and store any document that we receive in a way that is searchable uh, and that we can keep. Right. And so, you know, it's not a matter of making sure that your employer prints you a copy as well and then faxes it over to the staples near your home and then you put it in a file folder. This is really just a matter of making sure that it's sent to you via email. Of course, if you don't have email, if you don't have Internet, it is important that you get a copy. Um, but, you know, the vast majority of individuals who are going to be getting employment contracts you know, we'll likely have it, we'll likely have the offer and the contract sent to them via email in the first place. And then it's always a good idea to get a signed copy via email as well. And then just hold on to it. Chances are you'll never need it again, but it's really, really important to keep, um, to keep a copy of, of all of, uh, all of that documentation. Contracts, agreements, of course, being first and foremost, but, you know, also hold on to the documentation that you received when, you uh when you got your benefits plan and you know what your um what your variable compensation structure looks like and you know if if you get any disciplinary notes you know ask for a copy of that to be sent to you right um and then you can just keep it all 
uh, on a Google Drive folder that is my employment, and then you've got it all right there. I, I've you know seen too many times where somebody is in a situation at work where having backup emails would be really helpful from an evidentiary perspective, but of course, all of the emails that they would think to have are through their work email address and they don't have it. Now, being mindful of any confidentiality and proprietary uh, agreements, you don't want to be sending yourself anything that's confidential, but if there's something that you, some conversation, some email exchange that you've had with your employer that you feel is just, you know, you know, is maybe about your performance or is just sort of giving you that feeling, send it to yourself. Keep it in that folder. Just make sure that you've got a copy. Like I said, chances are you'll, you'll never need it. Hopefully you'll never need it, but you'll be certainly glad that you do uh, if you do end up needing it. Welcome back. 444. That is the time of day and the time for you to call. You still got some minutes. 604-280-9898 is the way to do that. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. If you go to simplyemploymentlawyer.ca, the firm website, there's lots of information there. Contact, of course, and links to our television show. And then finally, the website that was built just for you a few years ago called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Again, that's free. It's anonymous. It will tell you all kinds of things as pertaining to you as a as an employee, as having a job, whether you're a contractor, it'll tell you about severance with the severance pay calculator, so many other things, wrongful dismissals, all kinds of stuff on the website. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's free. Okay, next commandment, as mentioned, pal, is uh, thou shall keep records of important events. What does that mean? Well, um, it means that it's never a bad idea if you feel like something's going on to have what is essentially a work diary. I can't even tell you how many times someone has called me to say, you know, I, I feel like my boss is bullying me or I feel like I'm being harassed in the workplace or, you know, as we, we were talking about before, which is that um, my boss is building a case against me of some kind. If you are... Um, you know, obviously I think the best thing to do is to respond in writing, right? Which is exactly what we, what was one of the earlier commandments, which is to respond to negative reviews or discipline. But if you are not in a position to do that, or it's not that type of situation, it's always a good idea to have a record of events that you are keeping as the events are taking place. Um, you know, I often recommend that it, this can happen by way of email to yourself so that you've got the date and timestamp right on there. And then, you know, you just want to say so-and-so said this to me. It was in front of this many people. Um, it was this day. And, you know, this is how I felt afterwards, you know, which is often why I, I speak about it as a journal, because I, I do think that that level of, um, of detail and even introspection to a certain degree can be really helpful. But, you know, often when we get to the end of an employment law relationship or the end of an employment relationship and somebody is saying, you know, I was harassed this whole time or my boss was discriminating against me. It's going to be a he said, she said situation mm -hmm. and yeah. you are going to be served so well if you have a record. Yes, it's still technically your word against theirs. But the individual who writes it down as they go is going to be seen as so much more credible. So jot down that note, send yourself a quick email. It could really, really help you out if you need it in the end. Let's get to another one. Thou shall not get advice from your neighbor, Steve, or anybody else other than an employment lawyer like yourself. How about that? 
Yes, and that's, I mean, we don't want to pick on the Steves of the world. I'm sure that there are a a lot of good neighbor Steves, perhaps even a employment lawyer neighbor Steve. (laughs) But the idea is, you know, if you um, are in a workplace situation, uh, you know, you might have, you might know somebody who works in human resources. You might know somebody who has been through a, uh, a termination before. And I mean, first and foremost, everybody's situation is going to be unique, right? I mean, the reason why employment law is so interesting and so dynamic is because every set of facts is going to yield a slightly different result. Um, it's part of the reason why I love it. You can make so many creative arguments um, for so many different cases. So I really enjoy it. So I think that, you know, first of all, listening to somebody's experience and taking that as something, you know, that you can do or something that you should be entitled to uh, is just not wise um, because everybody's situation is going to be different. Of course, you are also going to have um, individuals who speak with a certain amount of authority. Uh, and that includes um, people who work in human resources, uh, you know, individuals who um, who have been through something like this before, and even some lawyers, right? You do have a lot of lawyers who tend to dabble here and there in other areas in which they don't have expertise. And I can tell you that employment law is very specific. It's very niche. There's a reason why um, I and so many other people in BC are able to make it their sole specialty. It's because there's so much work and there's so much to consider in that area of the law. And so when you are thinking about getting advice, speak to an employment lawyer. Just because somebody works in human resources does not mean that they know the law. Just because somebody is a lawyer does not mean that they know employment law. I would never, ever in a million years give somebody advice about selling their home or writing a will, right? It's really important to stick to your lane and understand that if somebody is giving you advice, what is the background? What is their source of knowledge on that? Um, And of course, it never hurts to get a second, third, or even fourth opinion. Yeah, yeah. This one is uh, kind of obvious. We kind of we kind of say this all the time. Thou shall assume that your severance offer is inadequate. No kidding. Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's obvious to you and I, and I think yeah. most employment lawyers. But I'm I'm shocked at how many people. I think I and I really think it's actually born of individuals wanting to believe that their employer would not screw them over. You know, I I think that a lot of um, employees want to think that, you know, I just worked there for 20 years. Uh, I went to Bob's daughter's wedding and, yeah. you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't do that to me. Right. And he would. And that's all that I can say. I, I don't yeah. know your boss. I'm sure that you've got a great relationship, but at the end of the day, unfortunately, and again, employment law would not be the sort of, uh, area of law that it is if people weren't constantly breaking it. A lot of employers, they either don't know or they're trying to get away with a fast one and they make your severance offer lower than it should be. Even those individuals who are getting great advice, they're working with some of the best you know, employer side firms in the city. A good employment lawyer is always going to be trying to save the employer money, right? Very few, uh, people are going to say, you know what? I want to pay everybody their maximum. 
You yeah. do have employers that say that, but very rarely does that actually happen. And even if they did, you've got, I think, a lot of employer-side lawyers that say, well, look, I have a way that you can save X number of dollars because then that makes the employment lawyer look like a hero, right? Everybody likes yeah. to save money, and that is what this comes down to. If you know that you know, Sally is entitled to 10 months of notice, but you think she might take six, you're going to offer six. Yep. So I, I would say that there are some occasions, I have to say it's rare, it's few and far between where I see a severance offer and I think that, yeah, that'll do, go ahead and sign. The vast, vast majority, and I do mean 98% are inadequate. They don't come close to what you would be entitled to get. So assume that it falls short and worst case scenario is that you're pleasantly surprised. It's far better than the alternative. We'll get to the last two in the last few minutes of the show here. And uh, number nine would be thou shall not sign. Yes, no signing. Just, no signing. <laughs> just, don't, just don't sign on that dotted line um, until a couple of things. Um, like you know, we were just been discussing with Al. Make sure that you understand everything that you are signing off on. Um, legal documents are written in the way that they are to be comprehensive, but sometimes in order to cover all of those bases, in order to be sort of as um, as wide reaching as possible, they are completely opaque. Um, lawyers are the legal speak is very difficult to understand. I mean, when I read releases, it makes my brain hurt. And so you have a lot of people, I think, who see three pages of documents um, and they just say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm sure this is fine. You know, this, this looks normal to me. Um, read it. Make sure that you understand it because you want to make sure that you're not inadvertently signing away something that you don't want to be signing away. Um, that with respect to release. When you've got something put in front of you and your employer says, you know, here's a new contract, we need you to sign this now. Um, we're going to change your job from uh, X to Y, we need you to sign this now. We're gonna reduce your pay by 50% and we need you to sign this now. Um, that is never, never ever, even if you understand every word on that document, never going to be a situation where I'm gonna recommend that you sign. If your employer is cornering you and telling you that you need to sign, if they are applying anything that feels like a pressure tactic, there's probably a reason for that. And you are well, well, well within your rights to ask for and even insist, if required, that you have time to seek legal advice. And if you don't want to go that far, at least sleep on it, right? So if you're ever faced in a situation where you're, you're sitting at a desk and you've got somebody who's saying, okay, can you sign this for me? Don't take a beat, take a pause, give somebody a call. You know, if it's in the context of a termination meeting, even just excuse yourself to go to the bathroom or say that you need to take a phone call just to sort of remove yourself from that space and gain a little bit more perspective. Um, and, and don't sign, don't sign until you speak to somebody and you know what that signature means. Last one and last minute of the show is thou shall use severance pay calculator or simply call you at ST Law. Of course, obviously. Yeah, yes. I mean, and that's probably the best way to end off this show is to say that, you know, this is why we do the Employment Law Hour. Uh, this is why we do this uh, show here. It's why we do the TV show. It's why we do Facebook Lives. Um, 
information is sorely lacking in the employment law world. You know, John, we've talked about this before that if you're getting a divorce, you know to call a divorce lawyer. If you've been rear-ended, you know to call a personal injury lawyer. But you don't always know when you need a lawyer, which is why we make ourselves available for free in the event that you've been terminated. Because we, and I particularly really subscribe to this, am very, I'm a huge believer in that information is power, knowledge is power, and that informing the public, giving somebody the information they need in order to know what their rights and entitlements are is one of the most important aspects of my job. And so if you have a question, if anything sort of stands out to you as strange, you know, please always err on the side of calling somebody that you trust, even just going on the severance pay calculator just to get an idea. Um, you know, I, I can't see there being any reason not to. And that is the way we will wrap it for another afternoon. Good stuff. Reaching Leah and her team, 604-283-3123. Again, 604-283-3123. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And you can always check out pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show, CKNW.